program destruction. It's the uh, gradual destruction of the Western world. And, you know, what they're doing is they want to destroy uh, national sovereignty and they want to create, you know, a global world order, which is basically what we're living through right now. Hi, I'm Evelyn Ray. Welcome to The Cauldron Pool Show. I'm super excited about our guest today. He is a husband, a father, and he's also the CEO of Gab, which is an alt social networking service. So happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me, Andrew Torba. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I've always loved Gab. Um, I think particularly because when I first signed up for Gab, like years, I think years ago when you first had it, you verified me without even asking. And I was a little bit like, this is exciting. This has never happened. I'm not even allowed to be verified on any other social media network um, because obviously I go against the narrative and against the grain. Um, and yeah, so I, I've always had a real big sort of soft spot for what you do. I love what you stand for. But before I sort of get into Gab and, and sort of what Gab is for, for the viewers over here, um, I'd love to hear a bit about who the person is behind Gab, who you are, and a bit of your background. Sure. Yeah. So I've been uh, an internet entrepreneur for over a decade now. I started my first company oh, back in 2011. And what we were doing was we were building uh, ad technology, ironically, for Facebook, Twitter, and Google. So we had this software that would help advertisers who were advertising across those platforms uh, manage and optimize their spend. And as a part of that business, I mean, I learned so much about the ins and outs of Silicon Valley and just through my relationships with all three of those companies, you know, I had a lot of friends inside of those companies and many of them are, are good, you know, patriots and Christians and conservatives. Uh, they have to keep it kind of low key, obviously, but they do exist and they are inside of those, uh, those companies. So back in, uh, you know, 2015, 2016, during the, uh, the presidential election, you know, we started to see the rise of censorship and censorship start to creep up. So that's when I started Gab and I sold my, my other company. And uh, I've been doing Gab full time uh, for almost six years now, believe it or not. And I've kind of I've kind of grown up with the company, right? So as the company mm -hmm. has grown, I, I have grown up myself personally. And as you mentioned, you know, I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father, I have two children, um, I'm a Christian man. Uh, I come from a blue collar working class family. I don't come from money by any means. So I'm just a normal guy who uh, you know happened to be a tech entrepreneur and happened to see the problem of censorship starting to really rise up, really before anybody else saw it as a problem. And I kind of knew where this was going. So, um, you know, God bless me with just the vision. Uh, I, I say that, you know, having vision is, is sort of a lonely thing because you're, you're living in the future, right? Like you're living five to 10 years in the future and you're trying to explain to everybody like what is happening and where things are going. And, uh, you know, people don't listen to you at first, but, you know, now that all these things start coming out, everybody's saying, oh, Andrew was, was right about that censorship thing, wasn't he? So yeah. it's a little bit lonely being, you know, I guess a, a visionary and seeing where things are going. Uh, but it's also, you know, it's a blessing too, because then you, you have the ability to build uh, solutions uh, before problems even kind of come up. So that's what, that's what I'm good at. And that's, that's who I am. That's what I do. I guess that's a little bit about uh, probably how Noah felt when he started building the ark and everyone was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Because um, he did it for quite a long time, obviously, before right. the flood. Um, so you sort of mentioned censorship. Would you say that that was pretty much like the catalyst for you, like the sort of motive and intention behind uh, creating Gab? 
Yeah, yeah. So I saw, you know, dissident voices uh, being silenced. And, you know, honestly, there were dissident voices being silenced that I didn't even agree with personally. But, you know, the fact that I saw these companies pull a complete 180 and start to, you know, ban people and, and make them non-existent and unpersoned on the internet, uh, you know, I, I just felt like somebody had to do something like, and I wanted an alternative myself, right? I said, you know, we get 99% of our news and information and, you know, all of our most private and intimate moments uh, and data and personal data is, is stored with like two or three companies. So um, I personally wanted, you know, a solution to this. So uh, I, I went out and built one. And that's that's what entrepreneurs do is we, you know, we find a problem and typically it's a problem that we have ourselves and um, we, we go out and solve it. And, uh, you know, I was being censored. Uh, I was one of the first to be banned on Twitter back yeah. in, oh, 20. 2016, 2017, most people don't know that like I had a personal Twitter account that was banned way back then. Um, and then I saw it, you know, creeping up on, on Reddit, on um, the Donald, the subreddit for Donald Trump. And then one of the bigger things that pushed me over the edge was the, um, there was a whistleblower who came forward from Facebook's trending topics product. And they were saying we're actively suppressing conservative news, conservative sources, conservative stories from this, this product that is used by like billions of people, uh, uh, you know, to, to get news every single day. So I said, okay, Somebody's got to do something. We got to build something that is new, that is outside of Silicon Valley, that preserves, you know, First Amendment protected free speech on the internet for all people. And that's been, you know, that's been our mission from day one. And, uh, you know, from day one, we, we, we've been under attack for, for having that mission because, mm. uh, you know, the regime, uh, the people in power uh, want to silence dissent and want to silence any, any criticism against their narrative or any sort of alternative, uh, you know, viewpoint that they don't agree with and that they don't want people, you know, knowing. Mm. Yeah, I think the um, the term echo chamber is probably pretty accurate when it comes to mainstream media, uh, sorry, mainstream social media sort of networks, because it seems like there's only one group who get right. free reign to sort of speak. And it's usually the people who are holding to the narrative of um, these global elite type entities and, and companies and things. Have you noticed since your personal account, I know that Gab has an account on Twitter, and I'm not sure if you have it on Facebook or, or any other sort of mainstream stream social media network but have you noticed even that has been censored to sort of any degree oh yeah yeah we that that account our our official gab account was actually banned for uh, a period of time back in 2017 and they they reversed that which was interesting that kind of surprised oh, okay. me but i mean we've we've dealt with shadow banning and stuff and you know obviously all of our users have been suspended shadow banned demonetized you name it right um you know and, and people are getting to the point now where it's just enough is enough you know it's um I, once once the, the platforms banned President Trump, as he was still a sitting president, it was mm. like, you know, the, the watershed moment, really. And that's when yeah. we got, you know, five or six million users all at once, right? So, you know, the, mm. th that was a big growth inflection point. And I think we're getting there now, um, especially with the launch of even more alternative platforms, which I believe is actually a good thing. Um, you know, a, a rising tide lifts all, all ships in the ocean, right? So that is, uh, that is something that is actually good for us and good for all tech and bad for Silicon Valley. So, I, you know, people ask me uh, my opinion on, on these all their other platforms that are out there, and I'll give you my opinion on them, um, you know, my honest opinion on whether or not they are free speech or not, and what, what is the technology like, and how does it compare to Gab? But ultimately, you know, at a, at a broad level, at a macro level, Level, I think that having more players in the space is actually it's good for Gab, first of all, because what people do is they end up discovering and learning about Gab on these platforms. So we saw that with Parler. We saw that with Gather. We're seeing that today, even with Truth Social, where people are going to these platforms and for the very first time, they're leaving Facebook. 
they're leaving Twitter and they're going somewhere else and they're discovering, mm. wait a minute, there's not just this, but there's also this thing over here called Gab and everybody's telling me to go over there. So then they come over to Gab and they discover that Gab has great content. You know, it's not just political. We have uh, different groups uh, around any interest you can think of. We have a classic cars group, which is one of my favorite, you know, people just sharing uh, old school cars and pics from car shows and cool stuff like that. So it's not even all political, but it does offer that, you know, normal sense of community around different interests and, and things that aren't necessarily news related or political as well, which is a big draw to people when mm. they come in the door. So, you know, this is this is all good. You know, any 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 platform that people are on that isn't controlled by Silicon Valley is a good thing. Less people using Facebook is a good thing. And the decentralization of the flow of information and news is a good thing. So um, I'm glad to see the space growing. Yeah, it certainly is growing. Um, I tried to sort of look into Truth Social yesterday, I think, when it dropped. I'm not allowed to in Australia. I'm like, I don't know if this is an Australian government thing or whether it's something else going on, but they didn't want me. So I'm just, I'm stuck with, you're stuck with me, sorry, um, on Gab as my alternatives. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, now, for those, you're, I'm going to be honest, I am not tech savvy by any means. I literally, I don't even know how I do these podcasts sometimes because I'm just utterly hopeless when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I was going to ask you for maybe people who like yourself who do know a little bit more, a lot more than myself, um, how does censorship actually work? Like how do these mainstream social media networks achieve censorship? Is it algorithms? Is it like are there buzzwords that it picks up yeah. on? I'm not sure if you have an insight on, on any of this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of that. So uh, part of it is algorithmic. Uh, you know, first of all, Facebook's algorithm is not open source. So no, you know, outside engineer, computer engineer can take a look and say, well, this is how this works. Um, you know, where Gab differentiates from that is our, our code actually is open source. So any, you know, third party engineer can go in there and take a look and say, well, here's how Gab's feed works. And the way that Gab's feed works is it's just chronological. So there is no algorithm. So if you're following somebody, you're going to get their content in your feed as they post it. So, and that's the way that the, the feeds used to be before they started, you know, manipulating with these algorithms. What they're doing is not only censoring with these algorithms, um, you know, they're they're socially conditioning people as well. So they're deciding, you know, who's the winner and who's the loser and what you're going to see and what you're not going to see. And you become conditioned to think that, oh, well, everybody's talking about this thing. So this must be what everybody thinks. And, and that's not the case. If you go into the real world and talk to people about things, you'll find that it's very different, uh, a very different reality than what is presented on Facebook and on Twitter with their algorithms. So that's one part of it. And then, um, you know, the, the bigger part of it, actually, that a lot of people don't talk about is the self-censorship. So, you know, they are using artificial intelligence to pick up on certain keywords and terms and phrases and slang and things like that. Um, you know, that that's the obvious surface level censorship, right? You're not allowed to post this, et cetera. But the, the, the bigger part of this is, is the conditioning that they're doing to get people to self-censor. So what they're doing is they're, they're conditioning people to say, I'm not going to say this thing that I'm thinking and that I want to post because it mm -hmm. might get me banned and I might lose, you know, 10 years worth of content and 100,000 followers or whatever. So, you know, they've created this, this culture of fear. And what that does is it, it silences people. So they're sharing less and they're starting to share stuff more in private groups or come over to alternative platforms like Gab where they can say whatever the heck they want. And, you know, we do <laughs> We don't care as long as you're not breaking the law. Like that's basically our terms of service is it's First Amendment protected political speech. So as long as you're not breaking the law, as long as you're not threatening to kill people, uh, as long as you're not posting anything illegal, uh, you're allowed to talk about what you want to talk about. And you know what? There's going to be some offensive stuff in there. There's stuff on there that I don't like, but you know, it's, it's protected by the First Amendment and therefore it's protected by our terms of service. And, you know, that's how these services were for, you know, 10 to 15 years. I mean, that's how the internet was. 
for the past 30, 40 years was, you know, if you didn't like something, it's just like TV, right? Like change the channel or, or yeah. block the person or unfollow the person or, or just keep scrolling, right? It's not hard. So, you know, mm. what are they so afraid of? And, and what, what they're so afraid of is just losing control. So people are tuning out of the mainstream media, which is, you know, the TV is, is a very passive thing. You can only consume the content. You can't kind of engage back with it and you can't see what other people are saying about it. It's just, you get presented the information and you either take it or you leave it, right? And, and you have very limited choices. With the internet, it, it, it creates this, this uh, relationship uh, where you have the ability to you know, voice back your opinion and see what other people are saying about certain things. And this is also why, by the way, why the news sites removed all their comment sections, because they yeah. would write these articles. And then the readers would just rip them and say, no, this is wrong, and this is a lie, and this is fake news, and whatever. Um, so they can't have that, right? Because they want people just to absorb the information that they're giving them as reality, not question it, not, you know, go to a different viewpoint, not, not uh, think critically about it, but just accept it as reality and as fact. Uh, so that, that is why they're starting with the censorship is because, you know, we see what's going on in Canada right now, in Australia. Yeah. God bless you guys. It's like a, a police state over there, right? Like, and Canada is, is quickly catching up to you as well. Mm. And I fear that, you know, the U.S. Is, is likely next with the way things are going. But, you know, we see this, this movement going on around the entire Western world where people are, are just sick of this and they're starting to rise up. And my argument has always been that we want, if, if you start silencing them, they're going to take to the streets. If they can't express themselves on the internet, yeah. then they're going to do what they're doing now, which is they're going to take to the streets and express themselves that way. Um, and thankfully, mm. everything's been peaceful in Canada and stuff. But, you know, as we saw two summers ago, you know, that, that was another end of this where cities were destroyed, businesses were destroyed, streets were burned to the ground. You know, this, so, you know, my argument is always, we want to let people speak freely. We want even the bad stuff to, to come to the light because if, if people can't express themselves right they, they have no opportunity to change and, and my argument people always say well you're a christian how do you let these type of people on your site it's like who did who did christ hang out with right right and and, and, mm -hmm. and how are these people going to hear the gospel it's not from us right so yeah. you can't shove them into a corner and ban them from society you have to show them love and grace and humility and, and mercy uh which is what I, th I believe christ would want us to do and, and allow them to express themselves and get these ideas out there so that other people can counter them uh you know with mm -hmm. good with good ideas that's 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 how i believe we can get to the ultimate solution here is is people talking about things and uh and just uh you know expressing themselves uh through words versus through violence yeah, I think we can certainly be in the world, but not of the world. That's why, yes, yeah, similar sort of argument. People say, as a Christian, how can you be involved in these things? And I always answer with that pretty simple sort of um I guess, opinion. But, you know, I was sort of wanted to go back a little bit to something that you mentioned um, about how, you know, blocking people or just switching the channel, I think it comes down to a lot of personal responsibility. I think for a very long time, we've been relying on the government, we've been relying on these big tech, big corporations. We, we basically rely on everybody to make our decisions for us. And we lack personal responsibility in the Western world. Um, and I think that's why a lot of what we're seeing the last couple of years has been on display, because that's a that's the epitome of lack of personal responsibility. Mum, dad, aka the government help me I don't know what to do when I get the sniffles what what should I do and I think this it all comes down whether it's um you know like just being present on social media to you know the response and reactions um about what's going on around the world is people just have no idea how to just adult in in life um and I have I've been on gab and 
I've had some horrible things said to me and I actually had to have like a an Evelyn, what are you doing moment? Just block, like get over it. Right. Um, and so it was actually right. really good for me to sort of experience that because I didn't rely on mum and dad, aka the Twitter overlords to do the job for me or although let's be honest, they don't do it for you. Um right. Yesterday I had someone try and dox me and Twitter got back and said it doesn't violate our community services. But I, like goodness me, I say that there might be alternative medicines than the messiah of the vaccine. Like, okay, you're banned. Um, And so I wanted to sort of, you know, use that as a segue into my next question for you, which is what do you think that this level of censorship is doing to our once great nations? It's destroying it, and it's it's totally by design, right? It's this is this is program destruction. It's the uh, gradual destruction of the Western world, and you know what they're doing is they want to destroy uh, national sovereignty, and they want to create you know a global world order, which is basically what we're living through right now. I mean, you look at the the COVID response, and it was like every single Western country acted completely and totally in unison. Um, and there were only a few exceptions of, you know, like a state like Florida, for example, which kind of even in the United States, right, like the mm. freest Western nation, allegedly, yeah. uh, you know, there was only one or two states that even dared to fight back against the grain uh, with this situation. So I think it woke a lot of people up and, and, and we're saying, wait a minute, we no longer have control over our own countries. We no longer have control over our own governments. You know, we have these these faceless and maskless people, literally maskless people, because they don't wear masks. Uh, only we have to, only the plebs have to wear the mask. Yeah, right? that's right. So, you know, we have these, these faceless, faceless and maskless people that are kind of running the show behind the scenes and are running our countries into the ground. And, um, you know, what we need to get back to is just putting Christ first. I think the moment that the West mm. stopped putting God and stopped putting Jesus Christ first is the, is the moment that we started declining, right? They, in America, they removed God from the schools and, you know, they went after the family and, you know, they promote it all sorts of degeneracy um, and we can get back, right? We can get back, but we have to put Christ first. It's not, you know, this political leader or that president or this or that, right? That there's no man that's going to save us unless we turn our hearts to Christ. That is the only way that the West is going to kind of save itself and come up from these ashes. But I'm so hopeful because people are waking up to this, right? They're waking up to what's going on and they're, they're realizing that like, we have to build new systems. I think, you know, Christians are not revolutionaries. We do not destroy things. We're not anarchists. We're builders. We're reformers. And um, you know, I I think they want a great reset, but we're going to give them a great revival. So, you know, Mm. on the, on the plus side, I've seen so many people, especially on Gab, you know, coming to Christ and uh, getting baptized and, hey, I went to church for the first time in mm-hmm. 20 years this Sunday. Like I'm seeing posts like that more and more. So, yeah, and of course that stuff gets buried, you know, on the big tech platforms. You're not going to see that type of stuff, but you will see it on Gab. So there are good things happen. Like, you know, we worship the creator of the universe. He's doing good things. We, we're just not necessarily seeing them on the surface right now. But things are being done and things are being built and uh, people are starting to wake up. There's more and more people homeschooling, for example, especially Mm -hmm. after the COVID stuff, which is great because they're going after our children in the education systems. They're indoctrinating them into their cult religion. It is it is a religion. It's an imitation gospel and a lot. That's why a lot there's a lot of overlaps with like the social justice movement and all this stuff. A lot of that stuff comes from Christianity. Right. So so even Christians, good hearted Christians think that they're doing something good, like, oh, it's social justice. And like we want to end racism and all this stuff. But they don't realize that it's 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 a destructive imitation gospel. That's what Satan does. He mm-hmm. imitates God. He can't create anything himself. So he just imitates and he uses that imitation to destroy us, destroy our souls, destroy our country. 
destroy our families. So I think a lot of people are, are waking up to this stuff and, um, and they're coming back to God. And, and that is the way forward. It's the only way forward. Absolutely. I'm seeing it over here as well. I did a speech at one of our freedom rallies in Sydney and um, it was interesting. It was very like there, there were people from all walks of life. Um, and when I was asked to speak, I was like, Evelyn, this is your moment. <laughs> you have to just be bold. And so I, my entire speech was based on Christ as King. Um, and I thought to my, I was nervous. I thought, you know, this isn't going to be well received. Australia is a very agnostic nation. I think America's a little bit more God fearing, even if people don't live the Christian life, they're not really afraid to say that they're Christian if their parents were or their grandparents. Whereas in Australia, if you say you're a Christian, it's like, it's deemed like a, a negative thing. So I went on stage right. and I said, Christ is king. Um, and, you know, when there's no authority um, above the government, the government will become that authority and right. they will become the ruler of, you know, uh, law and justice and morals. And, and that's obviously wrong. And, you know, when there's a void to fill, the government are more than happy to go and go in that place. And like you mentioned just before, we've rejected God in um, our Western nations. The things that made us prosperous were the fact that we built it on the backbone of Christianity. Right. Um, freedom comes from God. And I think when you understand that, you understand that your um, human rights are bestowed upon us by the grace of being made in the image of our creator. Um, but it was interesting, the reception that I got, everybody was happy. Um, I got off the stage and people were coming to me asking, um, where can I go to find out more about God? So you're right. People are through this coming yeah, to Christ. Praise God, man. That's your, your brain. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, that's such a great story. I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, they want mm. to be gods. They, they want to be God. They want the government. Yeah. They want to view people. And that, that's why, you know, like you said before, uh, you know, people are looking for, you know, the God of the government to, to solve these problems for them. And, you know, it's, it's not only just like this, this metaphorical, like, oh, they want to be God thing like that. That's a part of it, but like, they literally want to be gods. And what I mean by that is this movement towards transhumanism, where they want to put, you know, their brain into a robot and become immortal and become literal gods and have access to all the information on the internet all at once, because they don't believe, unlike us, they don't believe in the concept of the soul. Now, of course, their plan is never going to work, right? Because God doesn't take well when humans try to try to try to become God, right? You know, just from, from the beginning of the story, right? Adam and Eve, from the beginning of the story, humanity has been trying to become God, and God has always struck us down each and every time we have tried to do that, and he's going to do it again with this transhumanism movement, but people need to be aware of, of what is actually going on. While we're all distracted by the day-to-day -day political nuance, you know, these people are building brain chips, and they're, they're building all sorts of biohacking where they, they alter their DNA, and uh, they want to literally put their consciousness onto a computer chip and become immortal and become gods. So that's what they're working on right now. And, and a, a part of that is like this metaverse stuff. Like they want us just, you know, zombies in this headset all day long, living in this alternate reality while they're busy, you know, collecting all our data, mining all our data, treating us like slaves and trying to become gods. So like that is what these people are doing right now. Um, and it's, it's something that we need to fight back against and we need to talk about. But, uh, you know, we, we're, you know, 
we're going to win because, because yeah. we serve the creator of the universe and he's in control ultimately of all of this. So that is so freeing as a Christian. Um, you know, I think that this, we live in a world where people are so anxious now, especially after the COVID stuff and everything. It's like, people are living in fear. They're living uh, with anxiety and with stress. And uh, you know, when you're in that type of, of mindset, you're very easily manipulated and very easily controlled. And, and that's why we're seeing it. it's, it's like baffling to me. You know, a lot of, I talk with family about this, like, how are so many people falling for this? How many, how are so many people like driving around with three masks on in their cars by themselves with nobody else in the car with them? Like, how are, how are people doing this? And it's like, well, they're in a state of fear, right? And they don't have God. They don't have faith. So their faith is in the government. And if the government is telling them to wear three masks to be safe, then they're going to do it. So, you know, that's the reality, the reality that we're living in. And unless and until they turn to Christ, they're not going to have that freedom that, you know, you and I and others experience. I think the government make for a terrible parent and an even worse God, and they're an abusive one at that. Um, I do think, like you mentioned, it's a great leveling. You know, when God speaks, the mountain shakes, and it's like if you're not holding on to something eternal, you're going to fall off the shelves. And I think it was John Calvin who once said, um, if you, you know, if you want to judge a nation, you're going to give them bad leaders and nations are judged through bad leaders. And I think that's a lot of what we're experiencing. We've basically mocked God for a long time with all kinds of things, late term abortions, euthanasia, the whole um, LGBT movement with children and, you know, all of these things for a long time. And as you as you just mentioned, you know, if you look at the Bible, man has been trying to be God for such a long time and it doesn't work out. Stupidity can't sustain itself. Um, and it does self implode. And I do think like you, I have the perspective of that. And I have the perspective that good will always prevail. I've recently been looking at eschatology and times, and I'm happily a post millennialist now. Um, so I sort of fall in the category of like Doug Wilson, James White, Jeff Durbin, those guys. Um, and it's really positive because the way I yes. see this is I'm not going to sit on my hands and wait for Jesus to come and fix it. I'm going to leave a legacy. I'm going to raise my kids to love Amen. Christ and to love freedom and to kind of go out into this world and, you know, leave our place here. Um, so it's exciting having that perspective. Um, and, you know, you've mentioned obviously a lot through this talk that you are a man of faith. Is this something you've always had? Is this, did you grow up this way? Um, can you get a little bit of your testimony would be fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I grew up going to church, you know, I, I, I was saved when I was nine or 10 years old. But like many, I fell away from God in uh, my early 20s uh, and, you know, late high school through college, etc. And I embraced the secular ways of the world. You know, I was I was hook, line and sinker running away from God. And but the whole time, you know, I never abandoned my faith. I never said I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Right. Mm -hmm. I always still had that faith, but uh, it, I wasn't practicing what I was preaching and I wasn't living a fully, you know, Christian authentic life. So, you know, really building gab has, as is what has brought me closer to God and brought me wow. back to God because we, we literally our, our website and my business was reduced to ash in 2018 when we yeah. were totally removed from the internet. I mean, we got banned from hosting providers, app stores, my CTO quit. I was left with like a ball of code and, uh, and, and nothing on the internet. We had no site. We had no access to payment processors. We had no servers, nothing. It was literally a pile of ash. And, and, and God took that. And, and in that moment, that moment is when I, I just clung to the cross, right? Because I had nothing else. I had nothing else. And, and by the way, you know, 
in moments like that, right, when, you know, it was, it was after the 2018 shooting, because the shooter was on our site, I don't know if you remember, um, and of course, he was on Facebook, he was on Twitter, everywhere else, but the media placed the blame on us and on me, they put my picture, my wedding photo, actually, wow. I got married three months earlier, and they had my wedding photo next to this terrorist, as if I was the one who pulled the trigger, right? So, you know, you had everybody in my hometown, you can imagine all of your quote unquote friends and even members of your family yeah. who suddenly want nothing to do with you. And in those moments, again, you really find out who your true friends are, you know, who really loves you and your family, who's yeah. really going to be there for you when it's like, it's like the end of the world. But, you know, in that moment, I, I just clung to the cross and, um, you know, I started going back to church and I, I got married and I, uh, I had my daughter and, you know, when that happened, my whole world turned upside down. And I said, mm. I, I really, I need to start being a man of God. I need to start living this life. I don't want to live, you know, one life where I'm this, you know, tech entrepreneur trying to climb up the ranks, you know, when I was in Silicon Valley and, you know, behind the scenes, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like I go to church on Sunday, but like, that's it. Then I turn it off after. And like, that's how many Christians are. And I was like that too. But then I said, I got to go all in when I do something. I, I do it all in, right? It's just like with Gab, like I'm all in on this, right? This is this is my life. And, uh, you know, I decided that uh, I wanted to make Christ the center of my life and to make, you know, living an authentic Christian life. That is my identity. You know, that is that is who I am. So that's a little bit of my testimony and how I, mm. I you know, I had a good foundation as a kid. And I think that's really important. And it, it helped me when I started to come back to God. Um, but then I started to come back, you know, really throughout my, my process of, of building Gab is, is, you know, God had a plan, God had a plan for that. And the, the big thing of it was, was again, seeing him take literally a pile of ash with my personal life, my business, uh, and, and turn it into what it is today, which is like, we're, you know, one of the top 1000 websites on the entire internet. We have tens of millions of people that are using our site every month. Um, you know, we're expanding into all different areas and growing in a way that I never thought would ever be possible. And it's all, you know, all the glory goes to God. And I'm so glad, I'm so excited to hear you talk about eschatology. I was going to jump out of my seat when you said that. <laughs> Because it's so, so, so important. The eschatology that we have, particularly in American Christianity, is one of defeat. It is one of doom yes. and gloom. It is one of sit around and get stamped on and stomped on by, by Satan and wait for, for Jesus to come, right? right. And, and this is not what we were commanded to do. Christ commanded us to take dominion and make disciples of all nations, okay? Mm -hmm. He didn't say, hey, I'll see you guys in 2,000 years. Just sit around and wait and just, yeah, the enemy's going to persecute you yeah. and kill you and censor you and all this other stuff, but just let it, let it happen. Oh, well, just sit around and wait to die and you'll be in glory with me or sit around and wait for me to come. Like, that's not what Jesus said. And that's not what the mm. Bible says. So we need an eschatology of victory and a kingdom mindset. So we are building for the kingdom. You know, people, people, uh, a lot of Christians get this wrong too. They say, oh, well, you know, uh, Christ's kingdom is not of this world. That's what he said. Yeah. But he also said that he has all authority on earth all authority and we are to make disciples of all nations so he didn't say wait around to go to the kingdom right we need to we were commanded we have a great commission to go make disciples of all nations and to uh take dominion on this planet in the name of jesus christ and i think too many christians are you know have bought into this doomsday eschatology where they're you know waiting around for the end of the world to come or in some cases trying to usher it in right mm, <laughs> yes they, and that's the other thing that baffles me too, because, you know, the Bible says no one knows the time and the place of when this is going to happen. So it's not like you can like make certain things happen politically or whatever, or in, in international politics or with Israel or whatever, and, and accelerate this, right? It's mm. like, 
this is all just a, a distraction and a tool by the enemy to control us. Um, so if we if we have a better eschatology, then we can start building things and we can start thinking. Um, I call it seven generation thinking, right? So like you mm. said, laying that that firm foundation of, of following and worshiping Christ in your kids so crucial, so important. You know, it's yeah. too many Christians live for the moment and live for now and like, oh, things are bad, but like I don't have much longer. I'm going to heaven, right? And it's like, mm. well, what about you? What about your grandkids? What about your great grandkids? Yeah. Right. So the way that my thought process is, is uh, I'm thinking of, of seven generations. It's like, what, what is my great, 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 great grandchildren? Like, what am I leaving? Like, like you said, yes. a legacy, uh, mm-hmm. a legacy of worship and a legacy of, of, uh, you know, Christ uh, to carry forward to, throughout the generations. So uh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. I could talk so much about that. I was so excited when you brought that up. Yeah, it's interesting. I grew up very much like the Left Behind series. I don't know if you remember that. That was sort of my childhood. My dad, yeah, my dad would sit down and watch it with me and be like, oh, you know, when one day, Evelyn, when there's one currency, one language, one ruler, you know, you look to the clouds, there's the white horse and there is Christ. And so a lot of people right now with this globalist agenda are going, oh, they're getting rid of, you know, cash, cashless societies. Is yep. this revelation? And, you know, oh, it, basically there's there's like this global sort of leadership right now. Is that one leader? And so people are trying to draw the parallels. And I don't really blame them because it's kind of there. But, you know, I the, the minute that I became a post-millennialist and I kind of took the verse where it says that Christ is, um, you know, seated at the right hand of God until his enemies are made his footstool. And right. I take that quite literally because I'm like, well, I feel like the whole world's going to be a little bit more Christianized before we're even close to getting there. And so, you know, I like to remember Ephesians where, you know, Christ gives us his armor, the armor of God. And it's like he didn't give us a bunker to bury ourselves in the ground and wait for that moment. He gave us like a breastplate, a helmet, a yes, sword. A sword, like, yes. That's right. Yeah. Like we're, let's go out there, Christians, and let's make disciples of men. So, yeah, I I also think it's really important. I don't necessarily think your eschatological viewpoints it necessarily is a salvational issue. I don't think you're right. going to go to heaven or hell depending right. whether you're pre-mill, um, post-mill, whatever whatever it is, but I do think when it does edge on blasphemy or when it does edge in heresy and things is when you're not believing in the promises of God and right. when you kind of believe these lies of Satan. So as long as your eschatology, for those who are listening, doesn't edge there, we're all good whether you believe in left behind or not. John MacArthur, who I really respect, he's a like very much left behind. Like he thinks, yep. you yep. know, and I respect him so greatly. Um, I just think differently to thing. him. That's, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, we could we could agree so much on fundamentals mm. and theology. I mean, eschatology is such a, there's, you know, there's like basically four different camps, right? And and everybody's yeah. kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're very loyalist in their camp and stuff. And like you said, it's not, it's not a salvational thing, but it's such a, it's such a fundamental thing because, you know, we look like, first of all, we look like fools, right? Because it's like every 10 years, someone's like, the end of the world is happening on the yes. 10th of 2012 and that's when christ is returning right and then it doesn't happen it's like oh yeah. like and the media mocks us like look at these idiot christians again thinking it's the end of the world so like there's there's that part of it but then there's the the, the bigger part of it is just it's 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 an eschatology of defeat it's defeatism it's it's that is why the you know the 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 church has become so emasculated it's this is not an attractive thing to 
warrior men and women, um, you know, like you and I, who who see what the Bible is saying and see what the gospel is about and, and see the promises of God um, and, and want to, you know, make disciples of all nations and want to, you know, take dominion for Christ, um, you know, while we're here on this earth, uh, as we've been commanded to do. And it just creates this, this passive church and this emasculated church that is just floating along and going with the way of the world and just letting the world stomp all over Christ and all over the gospel and all over the church um, and desecrate the church and desecrate the, uh, God's word and, uh, you know, reconstructionism and deconstructionism and just creating this thing that is not the gospel. Um, so, you know, that is the danger of it as well as it's not just like, you know, a simple thing. It's, it's really a big thing. And, and this is one of the biggest things that I've been pushing for the past year is like, opening people up and saying like, you know, there's another way to think about this. And there's, this is what the Bible says about this. And maybe you read this in a fictional book, yeah. but like how do you open up your actual Bible and see what the Bible mm. says about it. Um, so it's a very important topic that is near and dear to my heart. Mm. And I'm so glad that, that you are awakened to this. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the rabbit holes I go down, Andrew, with my uh, reading on theology. Um, I'll talk about the book of Enoch another time. We'll save that for another podcast, shall we? But um, no, I think it's really important that Christians are talking about this. I'm so glad, like you said, that we brought this up. I'm so glad that you're sort of on the same page with me with this. Um, I could talk about it for a very long time. It is my passion. Um, but I think a lot of people want to hear a little bit more about Gab and, um, you know, like, and I'm so glad that they can see the person behind it. Now, I, I, I'm going to ask you a question um, about censorship because you, I, I remember once seeing somebody accuse you yourself for censorship on Gab and I was like, what, what? And when I looked into it, it was about pornography. You mm. basically um, are like not having that. And rightly so, I am 100% on your side with this, but I'd love to hear sort of um, your reasoning behind that type of thing for people who might be listening and not aware. Yeah. So, I mean, it's real simple. Pornography is not speech, right? It's not political speech. Mm. Number one, if you were to go back to the founding fathers and say when they were drafting the, the first amendment, if they would accept pornography, especially the pornography that we see today, they would have laughed yeah. in your face, right? So pornography is actually a relatively new thing. It's it's from the seventies. Um, and I think that we could actually probably overturn, <laughs> you know, SCOTUS is not concrete law, right? We're seeing this with Roe v. Wade right now. And I think that the pornography, uh, some of the pornography rulings uh, can probably be overturned in the future. You know, people always say, well, porn is free speech and you're not free speech if you don't support porn. And I say, this is a real simple test. I want you to go down to the town square and I want you to start preaching the word of God. You'll be fine. I want you to go down to the town square and start stumping for a political candidate. You'll be fine. I want you to go down to the town square and start filming pornography or playing pornography on, on a, a big screen TV in the center of town and see how long it takes for you to get arrested for public indecency, mm. right? So it's it's not a, a speech that is protected in a public forum. And, and for the longest time, it was this thing where you had to go into the shop and the shop has to ID you to make sure that you're over, you know, 18, 18 years of age or older and all these things. So there were some protections there, right? It's something that you're probably not going to get rid of entirely. There's always going to be a black market for these type of things. But the fact that, you know, the average age for children to see this stuff for the first time yeah. is eight years old, eight years old. And they have these devices in their hands and you say, well, you have to be a better parent. It's like, first of all, people that say that are not parents, right? <laughs> <Like they don't laughs> 
And they don't understand kids. First of all, you cannot control it. Their friends are going to have it. They're going to go over someone else's house. What it's, it's always going to be accessible, right? So why is it that we can have eight-year-old children accessing the most hardcore obscene pornography on the internet? I didn't want it happening on our site. And it turns out that, you know, most people don't want to see pornography in their social media yes. feeds or looking for news or having a conversation mm. with a friend. Okay. So this to True. me was common sense. <laughs> This is all common sense, but you do get the, the some of the more, um, I guess, some of the more pro porn people who tend to have an addiction problem uh, that do rat me out for this and, and rag me out for this. But it was the best decision that we ever made. And our business has grown tremendously yeah. since then. So I just see that as a, a nod from God that that was the right move. And, you know, a yeah. lot of these sites, people don't realize like Reddit is basically a porn site. Twitter is basically mm-hmm. a porn site. The vast majority of their traffic are going to like the subreddits and the little corners of Twitter that, you know, have tons of pornography that is where the traffic is actually coming from and i didn't want yeah. that i didn't need that so uh and it's not speech it's not speech yep no i i fully support you in that like you can't escape it it's it is it's everywhere and doug wilson one of my favorite theologians minister over in america he said porn has become weaponized it's literally destroying <laughs> boys and men um it and it's dangerous and i'm i'm so grateful that you have so boldly stepped out and just said no nope, not on my site and i i commend you for that i'm super proud of you as a fellow christian for doing that because there are some people who aren't necessarily going to be happy with that. But, you know, before they hated us, they hated him. And I think, you know, doing and answering to Christ before man is the most important thing. So I I fully support you with that decision. I know all of us here at Cauldron Pool do and most likely all of our listeners as well. So I think it's amazing. Um, Another question I wanted to sort of ask you about Gab is the, the running of it. Like how many people work at Gab? Like, is it big? Is it just like you, like massive nerd on your own on a, on a laptop? Like how does it sort of work and function? Yeah, so it really is a family business. Um, you know, my father, my mother, uh, my wife, everybody, my brothers uh, is involved in this. So it really is, you know, a family run business. And part of that is because it's like, who do you trust, right? Like, who, who yeah. do you trust to help out, especially with like sensitive things, like right? fulfilling customer orders and things like that? Like, we really, you know, want to respect our users' privacy and make sure that it's protected and it's being handled by people that we trust. But uh, we have a, a pretty decent sized team. Um, we're probably going to have 20 people by the end of this year, um, you know, about half engineers, half support and marketing and, and operations. Uh, but it's it's a lot. I mean, most people think that like we have thousands of engineers like Facebook and Twitter. Um, and that's that's the other thing that differentiates us is like, you know, we're funded by our users. Like I don't have some shadowy billionaire behind mm-hmm. us for almost six years now. We've been funded by our users. So we did two equity crowdfunding campaigns where we let our users actually invest in the company for shares. So we have like 2000 users from 2017, 2018 that are actually investors in Gab and hold actual That's shares in Gab. Um, and, you know, that that was, you know, the extent of, of our public fundraising. Beyond that, um, you know, we, we operate on cash flow, which is very, very rare and very, very, very hard to do, let me tell you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we have our business model, which is uh, Gab Pro. So it's an optional subscription uh, where you can unlock additional features and tools and things like that. Uh, and no ads. You, you don't have any ads with Gab Pro as well. And then we have Gab Ads, which we just recently launched uh, last quarter. So we have a lot of businesses on Gab and business owners on Gab who want to connect with people that share their values. And then we have a lot of people on Gab that want to buy from businesses that share their values. So 
you know, that is what we're building is, is a parallel economy inside of Gab and we're building tools now. So we built the tools for communication, right? We built the alternative social network. We did that. We have that. We scaled that. Now we're building the financial tools. So we're building our own PayPal, which is called Gab Pay. And that'll be coming wow, out uh, that's great. next next quarter. But we are already doing payment processing for businesses for that. But we're going to allow you know consumers to sign up and have an account. Um, then we, we have Gab Marketplace, which just launched uh, two weeks ago. And that's our Facebook Marketplace alternative. So people are buying and selling Amazing. things from there already, which is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we have Gab Ads, where businesses can run ads. So you know you can go from you know starting a business and 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 scaling it completely on Gab and the Gab ecosystem. And and that's what we want. We want to empower people, empower creators and entrepreneurs who are building things, which is one of the, the new things that we just announced mm. this week as well, which is the, the Parallel Economy Fund. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to uh, pretty soon we're going to open up applications and allow startup businesses and entrepreneurs to apply and become a part of the, the Parallel Economy Fund where Gab actually invests capital in these businesses, mentors them, gives them access to distribution, um, you know, gives them access to Gab ads. If they need infrastructure, we'll give them free speech infrastructure on our servers, which by the way, we've had to build. Uh, I think we missed yeah. a little bit of part of that, but we, we, we have been banned from everything. We've been banned from app stores, payment processors, PayPal, banks, you name it. So we've had to build yeah. our own. We have our own physical servers that we manage hardware in a data center that we have to go and fix and tweak and optimize, which is like, wow. most <laughs> don't have to do that. They can click a button on Amazon and get a server instantly, right? That's not, yeah. that's not something that we have. So, you know, we have that infrastructure that we've built up and, and we want to empower other entrepreneurs and invest in other entrepreneurs in this parallel economy to build up parallel structures and parallel systems that are run by Christians and, and run by people that share our values and um, mm. glorifying God and building for the kingdom. That's amazing because I think, you know, we can we can talk about all the things going wrong in the world and we can complain and things, but when, when you complain and you don't have solutions, that's when I get a little bit, oh, well, you've got to kind of offer something else. And like you said, you're building and you're building these communities. I love it. I didn't know that there are some, some of the things you were getting into. So that's super uh, encouraging. I love the idea of the PayPal thing as well. Um, um, yeah, I'm super impressed. Um, I think what a lot of other people want to know as well, there are a lot of alternative uh, social networking services available. Getter, um, what else is there? Uh, Parler, all these other things. And there's also rumor around that some of them have Chinese investments and things like that. Can you kind of talk about Gab? Have you guys got any of that? Are we safe? What security measures do you have? Like if people sign up and kind of get behind you, do they have assurance that those things are never going to be in play? Right. So first of all, you know, you brought up Parler and their, you know, their big backer is a billionaire by the Mercer family, right? So the Mercer family is the billionaire family behind Parler. Um, then you have Getter and the, the Chinese billionaire, uh, Miles Guo is behind that. Um, and we don't have a shady billionaire behind us. Like I said, I, I talked about our crowdfunding. We have the people. Uh, we mm-hmm. have the people in our community who fund the site, um, whether through running Gab ads for their business or going Gab Pro. We have a bunch of merchandise, hats and shirts and stuff that we sell. So, you know, that is our business model. And then on the security side, Gab collects very little data. So we only collect an email address and a, and a password and a username, right? And then anything that you post is, is public unless you have a private account, unless you make your account private, right? So, you know, there's there's very little data. Unlike Facebook, you know, we're not collecting your birth date and your street address and your yeah. credit Love card type. and all, all, the, all the stuff, right? It's like every <laughs> little click status. 
<laughs> tons of stuff, tons and tons and tons of yeah. stuff that you don't even know. Like they have the microphones on if you have the app in your phone and it's just all sorts of stuff, right? Um, so we're not doing that. So, you know, the collateral damage, we've actually experienced hacks and stuff and the collateral damage is, is very little because we don't have that much information. All the information that we have is public. Like, you know, you'll find articles about, you know, our hack from a year ago or whatever. And it says, oh, 70 gigabytes of data. And it's like, those are all public posts. Like anybody can go on the site right now and find any one of those posts publicly. So it's like, mm. what's the big deal, right? So, so our attack surface, we and we purposely made our attack surface as as, as low as possible, as, as small as possible, you know, for that event because we knew we were going to be attacked. We knew we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. We were attacked every single day. Um, so, you know, what differentiates us from some of these other guys is that uh, we are built on our own infrastructure and we do not depend at all on big tech. So you look at Getter, for example, and they're hosted on Amazon Web Services. Mm. Uh, Parler, that's the reason that they got taken off the Internet is because they were hosted on Amazon Web Services. Yeah. And then they're using, you know, Facebook and Google's tracking pixel inside of their site. So you're visiting Getter and Facebook knows that you're visiting Getter and Google knows that and it's tracking you. So it's like, what's the point? If you're built on big tech infrastructure, if you're dependent on big tech app stores, if you're allowing big tech trackers to track your users, well, then you might as well just be on Facebook at that point, right? And then you look at their terms of service and the terms of service has the same exact terms of service as Facebook and Twitter. It says no hate speech, no disinformation, no all this stuff. Like It's like literally word for word, the exact same thing. So, you know, and then a lot of them are using artificial intelligence now too, uh, you know, to ban hate speech and all this stuff. And it's like, this is this is not anything different. This, there's no differentiator here. So, you know, with Gab, it's you get what you see, right? It's, it's First Amendment protected free speech. It's a chronological feed with no algorithms. And it's the free flow of information. So, you know, that is why I always say Gab is inevitable. These, these platforms come along and they think, well, I can do that too. And they realize how much work it is, which <laughs> a lot of people don't realize how, how much work is, 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 is behind this. Um, and then they start censoring, right? And they start banning people and whatever. We saw with Getter, you know, they banned a bunch of the young Zoomer kids for the America First movement. And, um, you know, it's like, if you're going to do exactly what Twitter is doing, exactly what Facebook's doing and have the same terms of service and be built on their infrastructure, then there's no point. There's no point in moving. You might as well stay on Twitter. You might as well stay on Facebook. Uh, but with Gab, you know, we have our terms of service, which hasn't changed in almost six years. And, um, you know, that's, that's, it's in our DNA, right? The free speech thing. That's, mm. that's who we are. So, um, and, you know, the fact that we have all of our own technology and stuff allows us to be that way. We don't, I don't answer mm. to Apple. I don't answer to Google. You know, I don't, I don't depend on their app stores for users. I don't depend on their, their search engines for people to find Gab. So, you know, with, with that said, you know, we are not controlled by outside interests. We're not controlled by, by big tech interests. Uh, you know, we just answer to God and we answer to the people and that's it. That's what makes us different. I love it. I feel like that's a perfect moment to kind of, uh, you know, end the podcast like that. Wow. You don't answer to anyone but God and the people. That's amazing. And I really do hope people will get behind Gab. Um, I, as I said, I've always been on there pretty much from the beginning. Once, As soon as I knew about it, I went on there um, and I, I do really like it. Um, and I, I like I even I like even more the fact that I know who you are a little bit better now, and I know who's behind it because um, there's a little bit more trust when you can personalize someone and there's a face to something as opposed to a computer algor algorithm right. or, or something else. But before I sort of wrap up, is there anywhere people can go to support you, to follow you, to sort of get involved? Um, yeah, just take the floor. 
gab.com. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at A. So one, one of the benefits of, uh, of creating the site is you get the single username, single letter username, right? So I'm just at A. If you want to find me, it's uh, gab.com forward slash A. Um, if you want to support us, you can go Gab Pro. Uh, it's uh, 99 bucks a year. If you're paying for Amazon, you're paying for Netflix, you're paying for mm. all that stuff that is run by the enemy. Uh, you can support us and help us build something new and uh, something that defends free speech and exports it, by the way. You know, that's one of the unique, unique, unique things that I forgot to bring up is because we're an American company, because I'm an American citizen, we have the protections of the First Amendment that no other Western country has. And we can mm. export that to places like Australia, to places like the UK, Canada, we regularly get data requests and demands for censorship from foreign countries, including Australia, including New Zealand. I wow. just, we just went to New Zealand last week, actually, and we tell them the same thing every time. If it's protected by the First Amendment, we're an American company, we're not complying with this. So we regularly do that stuff. And that's, that's a big draw from the international community that we're seeing is like, we're able to export the First Amendment to other countries and, uh, mm. and quash the demands of foreign governments. We, we have the entire nation state of Germany coming after us and sending us all these fines and stuff because I refused, I refused to censor the stuff that they didn't like. So uh, that's what makes us different. And uh, that's why Gab is inevitable, as I like to say. Yeah, I love it. Oh, love it. Love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And I really do hope people listening might go, if they haven't already, sign up for Gab. You'll find me there. You'll find Andrew there. You'll find a lot of like-minded people there. Um, so yeah, thanks again for joining me, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Oh, 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 o